and welcome to season three of Introspectives. This is the first episode where we begin to have conversations via Zoom, Skype, and Google Meet. So we haven't had any face-to-face conversation and it's really made us reflect on what a difference it makes when we're sitting down face-to-face. So sometimes you know, there are just pauses and uh, we're unused to looking at a screen for a long period of time. But, you know, we made it work. So in a few moments, you will hear me interviewing Adrian, the newest member to join our team, about her insights and experiences. Hope you enjoy. My name is Adrian Wu. Um, so I'm half Taiwanese half American. So my dad is Taiwanese. My mom is American. I was born in the U.S. and I lived there until middle school. And then I moved to Canada and I lived in Canada from middle school to college. And then after college, I went to Taiwan for one year and then uh, to teach English. And then I also went to Japan to teach English and then I did my master's degree later on in international relations. So just graduated from doing international relations master's and no idea what I'm doing now, basically. <laughs> you know, COVID hit and then it's like, oh, okay. I don't know. I thought I would be like getting my life back together after like living in student squalor for like a year <laughs> <laughs> but okay all right I guess I'll just you know put that off and try to figure out what I'm doing now <laughs> yeah we're all forced to reconcile our old lives it's yeah <laughs> yeah well on that note we did talk about this like a little bit in the beginning mm-hmm. but how have you seen yourself and how do you think that's changed um yeah I mean like Mm-hmm. So I guess its theme is heritage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so speaking from like a, a like a, like Nash like origin like cultural point of view, I guess mm-hmm. when I first grew up in the U.S., I thought of myself as being uh, very American, very white. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm half Asian, half American. So you know, I think. It is kind of strange because being mixed, a lot of people can't tell where I'm from. So I get some really interesting reactions. Like, I don't know, one of my favorite things to do is kind of ask people where they think I'm from before they know and then kind of see Mm -hmm. what answers they give. And because of that, I've gotten just such a a wide range of reactions. Like people have thought that I'm like fully Korean. People Mm -hmm. have thought that I'm Japanese. Mm -hmm. Uh, people have thought that I'm like French. <laughs> what? So, I, mean, I mean, maybe it's partially because my name is Adrian, which is a French name. So oh, yeah. you know, it kind of ties you just into the that, accent but... on the top. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I did learn French, but my accent is not good. So I'm not going to get into it now. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I meant, um, you know, what's it called? Oh, I'm not saying it right. Oh, oh, oh like the accent uh, and like grab or something. Yeah, like on the, yeah. on the um, letter, like on an mm-hmm. E. There's yeah, like but a- then it would be like Adriane or something. Oh, okay, <laughs> forget what I'm saying. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, sorry, keep going. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, so I think like when I was a kid, I kind of just thought of myself as being American. And I also had this idea that I could switch between being like white and being Asian so that I kind of had the power to encode how people saw me. And I think then like later as I was growing up, I kind of realized that, I don't know, there is some extent to which I do feel very white, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, my mom mostly raised me and, you know, she's American. So I had a fairly like American view upbringing. Um, but at the same time, I did realize that I'm also not entirely in control of how people see me and their perceptions of my identity, which I think was kind of, I don't know, it was a very strange realization to me because I had thought, always thought that I could control it. So I always thought like, oh, I can be Asian today or I can be white today. It's like, oh, no, actually, it's just like, you know, people see me how they see me. And also just like my background is just kind of a mix of everything, you know, like I, in some ways I am very white and very American, but in some ways I'm very Asian as well. So I don't know, I guess it was just kind of a realization of like, things are more complicated than what I, I thought as a child. Yeah, So definitely. Yeah. Oh, and then after that, like, I know when you're growing up, like, I don't, you don't know a lot about Taiwan when you're in North America. So it kind of felt like, well, what is being Taiwanese? I don't know what Taiwanese identity is like. So trying to figure out how to connect with being Asian was also very strange because and I feel like I did kind of go through like a series of like different Asian interests. Like, you know, I was really into like manga and anime originally, and then I uh, got into K-dramas and now I'm really into like Chinese drama so you know but I don't know because of that I think I felt like I also really wanted to identify with being like Japanese or Korean or something because it felt like it was more like more of a like nationality that people in America could understand you know because it yeah. was more like recognizable than being Taiwanese there's like one time where I told someone that I was Taiwanese and they said like oh I love Thai food and I was like ah yeah no. that's, uh, that's a different country <laughs> so I mean I just think people really don't know a lot about Taiwan so yeah. because of that it also was very hard for me to figure out how to connect with being Taiwanese as like yeah. a Asian American so. okay um I wasn't going to say this but mm -hmm. How do I articulate? I think when usually if I'm talking to someone and I don't know what they're talking about, I'll ask depending on our relationship or I'll do mm -hmm. my research. But yeah. I, I like to I'm not trying to like boast or anything, but I, I do think I'm like a conscious mm -hmm. consumer of information. So if it was written by a certain person, I'd just be like, no. Mm -hmm. But then in instances like that where, you know, someone confused Thai and Taiwanese, you know what, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they, mm -hmm. they genuinely did not know, which is unfortunate, but then it's up to them mm -hmm. to research. But unfortunately, I don't trust um, like the information that's out there because they're mostly written by white authors like who don't really know about the culture so even then i feel like i had this burden to further educate them and it's mm -hmm. it's not it's not our burden actually but mm -hmm. then like they'll they'll say like oh yeah i did this research and i read in taiwan like it's this and this and this like how mm -hmm. what, can you tell me your source where are you gonna mm -hmm. a whole nother level especially for countries like um Taiwan and I guess like even Korea as well because I, I think you kind of alluded to it in the beginning countries that the western gaze has mm -hmm. um the western gay 
the West has their gaze on <laughs> is like China and Japan. And I, it's, I'm not saying that's bad. It's understandable, but mm-hmm. because of that, it's kind of perceived. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I think there is more of a bias towards like just knowing things about China and Japan. Yeah. And I mean, it is important to think about like that, that they are different, but I think it has been kind of interesting for me recently because I have been thinking a lot more about like uh, the differences between countries within East Asia more uh, because I don't know. I, I think like from the Western perspective and being an Asian American, we have this perspective of like, um, you know, that these differences between Japan, China, Korea, and Taiwan are very important. They're very different countries. Like I'm very proud of being Taiwanese American, Mm -hmm. but I mean, there is still a lot of like overlap and like cultural influence within that sphere. So I mean, like from my perspective as an Asian American, I feel like, oh, this is this is Chinese, this is Japanese, you know, this is very different. But sometimes when I talk to people in Asia, it seems like they're more loose about the differences, which I thought was kind of interesting. I mean, of course, they're still very different countries, but you know, for example, like sometimes I'll talk to my dad about things and he'll like kind of like, for example, he really likes like Japanese style gardens and stuff. And I always felt like, well, why does our house have so much Japanese art? We're Taiwanese. Like, why? <laughs> why <are> these <laughs> Japanese things? Yeah. And then he was like, but, you know, like Japan, like Japan colonized Taiwan for yeah. you know, a very long time. Right. So there is a lot of Japanese influence in Taiwan as well. So there are parts of Japanese culture, which also have kind of become Taiwanese culture. So I think yeah. that. Yeah it's not always that those differences are so easy to define or easy to like to see. And still from my Asian American perspective, like I'm, and, you know, talking to so many people that get confused about the different countries that like look at a kimono and are like, Oh, is that a Korean style or, you know, et cetera, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, to me, it's very important to differentiate those countries and those differences because I feel yeah. like there are a lot of people in North America and the Western world that don't understand that Asia is so diverse. But oh, then at yeah. the same time, there is a lot of like, you know, cultural mixing and sharing. So I don't know. It, it is kind of an interesting thing to think about. And since it was something that I kind of felt like I was challenged on it recently by some Asian friends by saying like, oh, well, you know, we actually don't think about it as being so distinct. It's like, oh, maybe some people don't, you know, see it as being the, like those boundaries as being mm. so set in stone. Whereas to me, it's very important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, um, hmm. I, that just reminds me of how, well, I agree with your point, but like when mm-hmm. I visited you in Taiwan, there well obviously like it was hilarious because we're walking around Taipei there are a million like etude houses in nature republics like are we in Seoul Loki but then like you'd see Japanese style architecture and the buildings contrasted Mm -hmm. to like um like Taipei 101 wait is that what yeah that's what it's called yeah 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 yeah, okay oh god that would have been yeah and then then, like some Chinese buildings yeah and it was just a cool mishmash Mm -hmm. um but I think I've already told you this before, just kind of going back a bit. I find it really interesting because like, I'm not like, I don't think you were ashamed about being Asian. That's not it. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't think you were as enthusiastic when you were in middle school. And 
that's fine. I mean, we were all, we all had our own issues to deal with in middle school. We so <laughs> <Yeah>. awkward. But <laughs> now you're very much like, um, I feel like you're very integrated within your two identities. And then you said you used to think um, like you can kind of, I don't know. I don't even know how to put this. Like maybe, oh, maybe I'll be like American one day. The next day, maybe I'll be Asian. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that like you can do but that's more speaking of like an external appearance kind of thing Mm -hmm. um but how did you get to that place and like how did you like merge all of that together like so Mm -hmm. when you wake up are you like I'm just going to be me today (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah it is kind of part of that I guess I mean when I was growing up I felt like I didn't really know that much about Asian culture I suppose so For me, I think a huge turning point was when I lived in Taiwan after I graduated from university, because I think before then, I didn't really know that much about Taiwan and Taiwanese culture. So even though I would go to Taiwan, like, you know, maybe like once every few years to visit my grandparents, you know, it was always kind of a very foreign place to me, kind of scary, smelled strange. Like, you know, I just, I felt like I didn't really connect with being Taiwanese. Like when I was a kid, I never wanted to learn Chinese because I just felt like, well, what's the point? Like, I'm not going to be living in Taiwan. I'm American. You know, my dad can translate for me. And now I'm like, oh my God, you were so stupid. But anyway, (laughs) I was just like, I didn't know what being Taiwanese was or, you know, what it meant. So I think it kind of felt like, well, I don't know how to connect with this identity. And then I think on top of that, my family, um, my Taiwanese family is also like not very like traditionally uh, Taiwanese. So like, you know, they would like they always told me like, we're Taiwanese, we're not Chinese. So that was like, you know, branded into me from a young age. But, you know, I never really understood like what. Taiwanese culture was and then the fact that a lot of my family don't really follow like uh, like some classic traditions like you know um I don't know like autumn festival or something like you know different things like festivals would happen and it's like and my family didn't make a big deal out of it so I kind of just didn't realize that that was part of the culture mm-hmm. yeah. and I think I kind of felt like I don't know maybe maybe uh, a little bit ashamed or I don't know I just I just felt like I couldn't connect with it. I didn't know what it was. And I felt like, oh, I wish I was something else that was like easier to understand, like Japanese or, you know, or, you know, Korean or Chinese. I mean, like, I think it's only recently that people really started to know more about Korea and North America. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. But, you know, it just so when I went there and I actually lived there and I, I saw more of Taiwan and I really started to love being in Taiwan and I really love the culture there now I think that really helped me feel more integrated about it because it was like I'm still I'm like finally able to understand like what being Taiwanese is like and what it means and I was finally able to really feel pride about being Taiwanese because I started to understand like you know Mm. what it was like and what the country was like so I mean I still feel like I'm not entirely connected because I you know I know some Chinese now but it's not I'm not that great at Chinese so I I still feel like I can't really like fully connect with Taiwanese culture. So in the future, I would like to, you know, improve my Chinese and like strengthen those connections. But 
I think that was a huge turning point for me. It was to just to realize like, oh, this is what Taiwan is. This is what being Taiwan Taiwanese means, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like um I don't know, it's it's not awkward, but it's an experience like kind of, mm-hmm. uh, well, I guess this isn't interviewing like one of your best friends because like I already know your story, but yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, we still have to keep it relatively structured. Um, I was just going to say, I think, um, well, first off, as you were talking, I just got reminded of when we traveled together in Korea. Mm-hmm. I can't, well, when we, when we got those amazing, uh, that dessert ice cream and the oh, red bean soup. No, um, it was like in the fish oh, thing. Oh, the kayaki? Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, the, oh, the, like that type of fish pastry is called taiyaki. Oh. In Japanese. I, I don't remember what it's called. In, well, it's called like pungapang, but it, it wasn't actually. Yeah, there was like ice cream and then you had a list of cafes. So like mm-hmm. we went and then I, I remember that the vendor was like, oh, because uh, we were like speaking in English. So he got curious and then mm-hmm. um, you were like Taiwanese and he was like, Oh, that's cool. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's different. Um, and I think it's gone to the level where, especially people here, if they know anything about Korea or Taiwan or quote unquote like, uh, the unknown parts of Asia, which mm-hmm. I mean, it's ironic because, <laughs> like, we know them, but they don't. It's kind of like, oh, wow, you must know a lot about Asia because you know beyond like China mm-hmm. and Japan. And it's just so weird because this is what I've like known all my life and have been exposed to. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, I mean, to different extent, like, uh, like I was saying before about that one guy that thought like <laughs> oh. Taiwan is like Thai food. Um, okay. But then also I think that because of the situation between China and Taiwan, there are a lot of people that don't really understand uh taiwan's current situation which i think also makes it more complicated um and you know it is a very well it's a confusing situation because there are a lot of people in taiwan who do identify as being chinese so it kind Mm of you know makes it very difficult to understand Uh, one thing that i read kind of explained it as you know taiwan is kind of being similar to america and China being similar to the UK in that, like, you know, we came from uh, China originally, but we are like settlers from China, which have, you know, landed in Taiwan. And now we have our own culture and our own history and our own government system. So even though, you know, we are ethnically Chinese, or at least, you know, majority of people in Taiwan are ethnically Han Chinese. um, So even though we have that ethnic origin, you know, we're we see ourselves as being different than Chinese. So, and I think like, I mean, it's also complicated because like, um, so just very brief history of Taiwan. (laughs) So so Taiwan was like, at least this is my understanding of it from what I've read. Um, So it was like not really fully a country uh, before it was colonized by Japan. So before that, it was just colonized by many different countries in a row. And most recently had kind of been taken over by China, but China only controlled about uh, 60% of the island. So they didn't control the whole island. And there were still many, many Aboriginal groups on the island. And there was no like 
overall identity of being Taiwanese. Um, and then Japan colonized the island. And then during that time, people started to gain a Taiwanese identity. And, you know, they started to, uh, they didn't really fight back that much against the Japanese. I think the Aboriginal groups fought back more, but most of the Han Chinese uh, population weren't really as outwardly rebellious. Mm. But regardless, once the colonization finished, they had had this, they now had an identity of being Taiwanese. And they were meant to become their own independent country at that time. Uh, and I think they even were for a few months. But then people from uh, China who had lost like the Chinese Civil War, uh, Chiang Kai-shek's party, they mm. came and inhabited Taiwan and then took over Taiwan with the intention of joining Taiwan and China together in the future. So now there are still a lot of people in Taiwan, which are from, which are what we call mainlanders, who are from that, uh, that line of people who immigrated from China more recently. And those people often see Taiwan and China as being the same country. And, you know, some of those people identify as being Taiwanese and then also identify as being Chinese, or maybe they just see Taiwan as part of China. So it's kind of like a spectrum. Yeah. Um, so I think because, you know, our like Taiwanese history and the identity is a little bit confusing. I think that also makes it very hard for people to understand. Like a lot of people I talk to are like, uh, so you're Chinese, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like they understand the situation is complicated, but they don't really understand the whole situation, which it was understandable. I didn't really understand it as I was growing up either. So I also was like, well, I know that I'm Taiwanese because that's what my grandparents told me to say, but <laughs> I'm not really sure what the relationship between Taiwan and China is. So yeah. I think, I mean, I think now uh, Taiwan, especially a lot of younger people do really have this, um, like we are Taiwanese identity and they're very strongly uh, supportive of and protective of like, democracy, you know, similar to in Hong Kong as well. And they don't want to merge together with China. But there are still some people that do, you know, they have a lot of family in China, they kind of see Taiwan and China as connected. So it is still a little bit, you know, confusing in that way. It is confusing, though, because like some people who are Taiwanese do see themselves as being Chinese yeah. and not Taiwanese. Um, like, for example, when I was teaching English in Taiwan, I had taught all of my students to say, like I am Taiwanese, if they were asked about their uh, nationality. Yeah. And then later on, my co-teacher who, you know, who is Taiwanese, like native Taiwanese, yeah. um, he said like, oh, all of them failed the, the oral <gasps> examination that I gave. And I was like, what? Why? And he was like, the question they got wrong was like, you know, they said like, I am Taiwanese for their nationality. And they should have said, I am like Republic of Chinese. And I was like, what the oh, heck? Like, that's too abstract, man. Like, How old like um the the co-teacher, he was maybe like 30 something. Like he was older than me by oh I meant like by, the kids. Like, oh the kids. The kids yeah. were like in high school. Oh. So, oh well no actually maybe not high school but like late late middle school early high school like maybe like 14 or you know 15 something like that. So it was like Oh, uh, I don't know. Cause I would always say like, I am Taiwanese. People ask my nationality. Like, and I, 
I was like, I don't think I would ever say I'm Republic of Chinese. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, I don't, like is that even like a, a thing? Yeah. I don't know. It just sounded so strange to me. So I was like, and I, I mean, I felt like if you were going to go with that route, maybe you should just say I'm Chinese instead of I'm Republic yeah. of Chinese. <laughs> yeah, like, like on, I don't know. It just sounded very strange to me. But I don't know. I didn't want to like argue with him about it because I was like, is this a political thing? Like maybe I was like, I don't want to get into this because like, I don't know, this is your own identity. And I'm still like, (laughs) even though I'm half Taiwanese, I'm still like a foreigner technically in Taiwan. So I was like, okay. But then later I told my students, I was like, yeah, it's okay. You can say Taiwanese. (laughs) Like that's what I would say. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, because it's subjective. I don't, did you see that? Um, post recently that said ask each person what they want to be addressed like Mm -hmm. some people love person of color some people hate Mm -hmm. it like ask Mm -hmm. them so yeah Yeah. i'm kind of talking about this uh politically Mm -hmm. identity charge topic very generally but yeah because it's it's Mm -hmm. very objective um so yeah sorry did i totally interrupt you as you were talking oh no 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 that was that was it Uh, i was sorry (laughs) Um, I was going to ask you, I actually learned about this history uh, in middle school in seventh grade when I was 13. Um, I mean, I don't remember it to the T, but I remember it being detailed enough to, you know, know, like, generally how it happens. But, Mm -hmm. like, I was really surprised that other parts of the U.S. don't teach it and, you know, just things like that. So, Mm -hmm. obviously, like, this is part of your heritage, but when did you first formally learn it learn about it sorry about taiwan specifically or yeah I mean, what just like i guess chinese and so i just hesitated then because i just realized <laughs> whenever we had a section on east asian history it was mostly about china yeah <laughs> but um but that specific class we went into detail of like um the revolutions that happened in China and like the birth of Taiwan and oh okay we did, we did study that chapter formally which I think uh-huh. is pretty interesting for middle school so when did you yeah. first formally learn about Taiwan actually I don't think I've ever formally learned about Taiwan so that's oh. why maybe that's why I'm a little bit more lenient on other people because I'm like well I never learned about it in school wait not so, even uni or anything um like kind of in uni but not really so basically like I mean because I moved around a lot like as I was saying like I you know I I lived in Ohio up until I was in like uh well I lived in Ohio originally and then I moved to Massachusetts and I was there during middle school and then to to yeah up until middle school and then I went to Canada so it's like because I switched schools so many times, I just ended up doing the same curriculum like again and again. <laughs> so oh, I learned about ancient oh. history twice, <laughs> but I didn't learn about anything like contemporary, really. Like, <laughs> I think the most I learned about was like, you know, the Holocaust and stuff. And then yeah. that was pretty much it. Like, I didn't learn a lot about like, you know, World War One, World War Two in school, actually. So I learned more about that when I was in college. But you know, in college, I mean, I did East Asian studies for my degree, and they didn't have any classes on Taiwan. So, really? I mean, yeah, no classes on Taiwan at all. Wow. And I mean, my focus was on Japan, because, um, you know, I learned Japanese in university. And um, it was mainly like Japanese studies. So I did take mainly uh, Japanese culture classes. But, uh, and I think I took like, one class about Korea. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> part two. So I mean, the, the Korean history I got was pretty sparse as well. Um, yeah. And in terms of China, I think I only took one class and it was about like contemporary Chinese art. So it was not related to Taiwan at all. So I never studied Taiwan really formally in school. I guess, uh, in I mean, even in graduate school, it was like, I mean, I studied things about Taiwan, but that was because I chose to study things about Taiwan. Yeah. You know, there wasn't anything that was like, you know, focused towards Taiwan. So I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, since I never really learned about Taiwan, I think that also kind of made me feel more confused about it because it's like I had to learn everything basically on my own. And I don't know if that's like typical for other people. Like I said, because I moved around, I have a lot of gaps in my education and my um, from switching school systems. So, you know, maybe that was just my particular experience that was kind of unfortunate, but just how it is. So, Mm. yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. I wonder how that's like changed now, or I wonder if Mm -hmm. it it did change at all. Like maybe that's something to, to follow up on. Yeah. Um, I, I guess yeah, I, don't, oh, I have kind of like, <laughs> like when people ask me about the American school system, I've always been like, well, they don't teach anything. Like all I learned was ancient history. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, maybe I kind of did them a disservice. I guess they actually did teach things. I just wasn't there at the time. <laughs> oh, well. Well, I, I told you this before. I think like generally the East Coast is very good. Like mm-hmm. I think I... Well, I will say, like, the pro was that, like, we covered all the continents. Did we do it in depth? I mean, not particularly. We tend to learn about the same topics. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like, I think, I think like, for example, like, I learned about Argentina and about, like, the um, every, like, the weekly Wednesday protests. But we didn't go into depth. And I got interested and I, like, Googled it. So that, that's something. Mm-hmm. But it's better than not having covered that region at all, I guess. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I, I didn't know. cover that region at all. I have no idea. <laughs> really? Oh my! See, the, and it's just so I know, like you moved around a lot, and but the mm-hmm. the fact that you're saying like, oh, everything was like quite sparse is like mm-hmm. speaks to a uh, more of a global theme of who is writing our curriculum. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, uh, yeah and it's like because I've learned about like Egypt and Rome and Greece, like I think two, three times over. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, yeah, the Western world really likes their ancient history. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting. It fair. is interesting. I do enjoy it. But, you know, when you start to get to the third time, you're like, okay, right. <laughs> I, I know this kind of. <laughs> yeah, Mesopotamia, <laughs> Babylon, yeah, Egypt, okay. <laughs> you, were you, do you remember, um, I don't remember if you were in my, what was it, ain't, like world history class, but we like mm-hmm. made those uh, necklaces out of clay and then we put our messages in the clay or something. You, did you make that i don't really remember that i don't think so, so I'm about the memory. <laughs> i still have mine because it was on mesopotamia um they read messages by <laughs> like under the oh god some mesopotamian scholar if they hear this is going to just be like so disappointed but they like, read their messages form and stuff or something. i don't know i don't know i learned it three times i should know oh my god yeah you should <laughs> you're the expert here (laughs) it was a fun activity and i'm sure you must have done it because you were still uh there in sixth grade Uh, i was but i don't i don't know (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't, well, you know what was, sorry, this is very slightly off topic, but mm-hmm. I guess in, in light of um, the Black Lives Matter movements, mm-hmm. uh, which like I want to be sensitive about, but it's like kind of weird because all of these voices are coming forward and mm-hmm. confirming to me, at least, that our shared experiences were indeed racist. So, mm-hmm. like, for example, like in sixth grade, we read this book. I can't remember. And like, I felt vis- I was so. Oh, I remember that book. I think I you don't know remember what it's called, but I remember it was yeah. like about like the. Um, was it like the mother and her family like ran away from? Yeah, they're escaping. Yeah. Their Japanese family. I, th- I think look, as an initial response, like, obviously, um, like, it- it's very layered. Like, I understand, mm-hmm. like, pain and struggles are valid to their opinion, but mm-hmm. they were in that position, the oppressor, right? And I hadn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't figured out my identity. I felt so freaking uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't said anything because I kind of thought, like, do I need to say anything? And, like, hearing all of these voices now, I guess, from, like, our generation, like speaking on Twitter and stuff about all these incidences, mm-hmm. I am now like looking at my past in a new light. Like, oh fuck, I could have said something then. Um, mm-hmm. that was racist. That was harassment. That was microaggression. Like whatever, whatever. But I just remember that so vividly from middle school. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if like have you had those moments though? Like looking back in your past. Um, not really. I don't like. Um, yeah. I mean, like. There have been like some points where I did feel like uh I don't like there was one time when uh one of my friends said like like oh well you're one of the only colored people and I was like what? <laughs> <laughs> so that was like one of the moments where I was like, Oh, like I kind of just saw myself as being like American, but I guess some people think of myself as like being like a quote unquote person of color and I don't know and the, because I'd only heard like the word colored in only like the sense of like 1960s America where it's like divided between like the white and oh, the colors I was like yeah. what the heck I'm colored I don't know so that was kind of like a strange experience for me to like I mean like and I have gone to mostly like I well actually like when we where we were going to school in Massachusetts and I think it was pretty mixed but you know, predominantly I have gone to more like white schools. So I think it has been more of like a, you know, white peer group. So I don't know, like, uh, I think there was so like, you know, in that kind of sense, I think, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really like, um, bullied or like, you know, I didn't really feel a lot of microaggressions from being Asian. It's just like moments like that. Um, and then, like when I did, when I moved to Canada at first, I think it was hard for me to reconcile being American, which that was kind of strange because it was never really something that I thought very much about. Um, but then it was kind of realizing like when I was younger, when I was in, you know, elementary school and middle school, and that was also right after 9-11. So, you know, everyone was really like, mm. oh yeah, America, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember like one of my friends was selling like freedom bracelets or something to like raise money for the, the families that were affected by 9-11, which, you know, obviously it's great, but it's like, you know, I think that was a very like strongly patriotic time because it was like, we felt like America had been attacked and we were, you know, we were American. So yeah. After that, like going to Canada, it did feel strange because then I realized like, 
oh, like what I had thought when I was growing up is being like, yeah, America, best country in the world. It was like, <laughs> oh, other people don't actually think that. <laughs> it was like, oh, I see. Okay. So I don't So that was strange for me, but I don't think that anybody really like, um, it's not like anybody bullied me for being American and they made me feel different. I think a lot of times it was me myself wanting to differentiate myself and then putting that kind of like pressure on myself. So it wasn't actually other people that was doing it. It was like, I felt like I had to protect that identity, you know? And I, I think I also felt like that when I first moved to Massachusetts too, because it's like being from Ohio, I felt like, no, I'm from Ohio. I'm different. This is my identity. <laughs> I'm from Ohio, you know, so I don't know. So I guess like for me specifically, it's like, I never really felt like there were a lot of, I like, I had many microaggressions like growing up. It was more like, I just had to like reevaluate my identity at each point. So first I thought of myself as being like, I'm a American from Ohio. And then it was like, oh, I'm American. And then it's like, oh, I'm now I'm Canadian American, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and then kind of like, like, I don't know, reconnecting with that. Um, I guess oh, there was like one other time too, when I think I told you the story before, but I, when I was in Cambodia, um, I showed my passport to, uh, it was like, uh, I was like buying something at the airport and I had to mm. show my passport to him to show like, oh yes, I am like, you know, flying on the plane soon and I should get this duty free. <laughs> and <laughs> he looked at my American passport and he looked at me and he said, no, not American. And then what? he pointed to my friend oh, yeah. who was standing next to me, who was white, and he was like, American. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you got my passport right there, man. Oh, sorry, maybe I shouldn't swear, but anyway. Oh, no, I already <laughs> swore, it's fine. <laughs> okay, good. So it's just like, that was just so strange. So I don't know, but yeah, growing up, I didn't really feel like I had a lot of like uh, microaggressions. Maybe it was because like, I don't know. I was, didn't have a very strong Asian identity, so I didn't feel like I had to protect it. Or maybe it was because, like, since I had more of a white upbringing, maybe I was able to, like, code in more with, like, white people. So maybe it didn't bother me as much. I'm not sure. But in terms of that respect, I don't really think that I either noticed or dealt with a lot of microaggressions when I was younger. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's good. <laughs> it's actually I mean, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I think, though, because of that, it does make me realize that actually, in a lot of ways, I am in a position of privilege being mixed. So, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. So I think, like, in East Asia, sometimes people kind of, like, are like, oh, whoa, like, you're American, you know, English, that's so cool, you know. So I think that being half white does kind of put me in some privileged positions. And I do try to, like, you know, acknowledge that and think about that. So even though, you know, like I do have some kind of, uh, you know, experiences from being Asian, you know, like I also do have some privileges from being like half white and mixed mm -hmm. as well. So. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that brings me to a point where, uh, well, you'll remember this. Mm -hmm. When I was teaching English in Korea, my last day, I told the students like, yo, I'm actually Korean American. Guess what? Um, you don't have to be white to be American. To be American mm -hmm. is or to anything, I guess, really. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not like a skin tone privilege thing. You can be bilingual. You can do what you want. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. And I think on that note, in a positive sense, I think more of our generation is realizing like, oh, 
you can be Asian American. Mm-hmm. That is possible. That is a thing, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it personally, it personally took me like a long while to kind of, and I'm still trying to like reconcile because in the UK it's a whole new level. But like, what? So I guess for you, like in that instance in Cambodia, mm-hmm. but like you are white. So I guess from the quote unquote like traditional definitions of being American, like you know, which which is white, I guess. Mm-hmm. In that instance, were you just like, like I mean, obviously it's upsetting, mm-hmm. but do you think? But I, I am like I, I am also white. Like, do you, do you not see that? Like, what did you think? How did you process that? Um, yeah, I don't know. Mostly, I just felt really angry that there aren't enough Asian people in Hollywood movies. <laughs> like, yeah. I like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's weird. But that was my first thought. I was like, this is all Hollywood's fault for not putting enough Asian people in movies. So people know there are many Asian Americans. So that was kind of my first thought. But I mean, like I like I kind of touched on before, you know, I think that a lot of people really see me and my ethnicity in different ways and it's kind of always changing so you know there are some people that when they see me they they see my features as being very white and there are some people that when they see me they see my features as being Asian so you know I think it is kind of like a spectrum so I've kind of like stopped uh expecting people to you know encode me in like a white way I guess I think and I think normally when people see me, they do see me more in an Asian way. So I did kind yeah. of expect like, oh, he doesn't think I'm American because I'm Asian. Like, or like, <laughs> wow, what is this? You know? <laughs> but, but yeah, I guess like, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, it is kind of weird because, you know, it is on a spectrum where there are some people that, you know, see me as being white, whereas some people see me as being Asian or whatever. Like, I've never got any anybody think that I'm Taiwanese so like I don't know if it's because Taiwan's too small but no one has ever said Taiwanese and I I don't think I've ever gotten anybody that's guessed that I'm Chinese either so it's like that's also kind of funny like everyone is always just like oh Korean Japanese (laughs) French uh, Brazilian Japanese (laughs) oh wow okay really everywhere yeah Yeah. I like the the lack of exposure um, have you ever received flack for like, oh, you're not like Asian enough, you know, you're, you're white, mm-hmm. you're white still. Cause, well, cause on the opposite, like on the other spectrum, it kind of sounds like, like people visibly see, tend to see you more as Asian, mm-hmm. but yeah, like on the other end, like, has anyone been like, you're not Asian enough? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I think that's the weird thing about being mixed and being half is you kind of do exist in this kind of like half universe where you feel like you're never you're never going to be like I'm I'm never really going to be like white enough you know quote unquote because like you know like as some people say like oh as soon as you're like mixed with another ethnicity then you're no longer white (laughs) (laughs) like what was that analogy like oh one drop of chocolate milk and the milk makes the whole milk chocolate or something (laughs) so so delicious anyway anyway, (laughs) so you know so I feel like you know I'm never really going to be seen as like you know purely white which you know that's that's okay but then like so I'm never really going to be like quote-unquote American enough and I'm never really going to be like quote-unquote like Asian enough you know I'm always going to be like in that middle area where I'm never enough of anything Mm -hmm. so I mean like so when I'm in Taiwan even though I do enjoy being there a lot you know like I do really feel like I'm not 
fully Taiwanese because, you know, I can't speak Chinese. So it's hard to like connect with people. And then there was also like uh, when I was in Taiwan, I was dating this Taiwanese guy for a while. And I don't know. It was just like, which guy was this? Oh, it was just like, it wasn't really that important. He was just like, I saw him like once a month. Like it was a once a month guy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Maybe I do. Continue. It's okay. (laughs) Not important. but, But like, you know, like it was just weird because like we would go out to eat like dumplings or something. And then he'd be like, oh, you can use chopsticks or like, oh, you can Uh eat dumplings. You Uh like dumplings. It's like, uh, like one, like, of course I can use chopsticks. Like I'm half Taiwanese. I grew up using chopsticks, but also I feel like, you know, also like, even if I weren't half Taiwanese, like dumplings are like the most like white people friendly (laughs) Asian food in my opinion. And what's yeah. not to like about it? It's like meat in a little pasta filling. Like, you know, this is it's basically like an Asian ravioli if you want to get down to it. So it's like Okay, I mean I would kind of eat the burrito, but I see where you're going with that. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean like of course it's different. You know, I I love dumplings, they're different. I love them more than ravioli. But you know, like Yeah. I don't know, it just it felt like such a weird comment to me to make it. Like and like a lot of times, like when I was teaching in uh, English in Japan as well like you know sometimes my co-workers would be like oh wow like Wu Sensei you're so good at using chopsticks it's like yeah <laughs> I, I am like half Asian I did grow up with using chopsticks I mean and then like you know on top of that like there are many people that are American who are white American that can use chopsticks now like it's not that strange <laughs> so yeah. I don't know so yeah there are some like weird moments where it does feel like you know people are like oh whoa you can do this or oh you know about that it's like yeah I am still like half Asian and then even <laughs> if I wasn't half Asian like you know the world is becoming more diverse and yeah you know, a lot of people in America like sushi now they like going to Chinese restaurants you know it's not like <laughs> and yeah, it's not as closed up. off as you think yeah exactly that reminds me I think there's like a um like kind of when you said like oh, you can use chopsticks like for mm-hmm. like when Peter says like and Korean they're like oh, you can speak <laughs> Korean it's like okay calm down like it's a simple Google search seriously <laughs> but then because I've gotten that before too I like I know I know I'm not like mixed race but then um like my co-teacher used to be like why are Koreans so good and then I'd be like but I grew up with a, you know, da da da, and then immediately be like, "Oh right, in that case, you're Korean. Shit, you should be." (laughs) But there's a higher standard if, for I think if you are for for your what am I trying to say? Like for you, I'm assuming that like other Taiwanese people, there's like a higher standard to be Taiwanese slash Asian, rather rather than like on the flip side of being white. Well. I don't know. I just feel like it's it's easier. I, I'm not sure where I'm going with that. I had a thought, mm-hmm. but I can't really articulate it. Like there are a lot of standards. Yeah, for... mm-hmm. yeah I think I know which I I know what you mean. I think because like, um, I mean like I think you know in countries like in North America, you know it's like I I feel like in some ways the culture is like more accessible because the country has such a reputation of being multicultural. So it's like kind of easier to be like, oh, I'm American. Whereas, you know, with a lot of Asian countries, 
you know, the identity of being that nationality is like very like strongly gate kept, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. You know? And like, it's very strongly tied into ethnicity, which yeah. I mean, like, you know, we do have, um, but then at the same time, like language is also a very strong part of that as well. So you need to access it through language. So I feel yeah. like it's hard for me to be considered Taiwanese because of my lack of language abilities. And then also because I didn't grow up in Taiwan, I feel like I haven't lived through a lot of those experiences that Taiwanese people have. So, you know, I think I can't really fully understand uh, Taiwanese perspective. So in that way, I feel like, yeah, I can't really fully be Taiwanese. And I mean, maybe if my Chinese improved and I lived there longer, maybe it would change. Uh, I think it kind of depends. Uh, like, and I mean, like, and generally I have found like people in Taiwan are pretty like receptive and accepting of me. So, um, but, you know, when I think Japan is a little bit harder in that respect, and I'm not quite sure about Korea, maybe it's the same as Japan. I'm not sure. But I feel like in Japan, it's very difficult because to be considered Japanese if you are not of Japanese ethnicity, if you don't know Japanese fluently and you haven't grown up there, you know? And I, mm. and I do think ethnicity is one of the biggest things. Like there are, like I've heard stories of like um, Chinese people that live in Japan that have lived there their whole life. They can speak Japanese fluently, um, but they still cannot be considered Japanese because ethnically they're Chinese. So Japanese people still treat them like Chinese and not as Japanese. So I, so I I think like for a lot of these countries, like ethnicity is kind of the main defining feature. And like, if you don't have that, it's like, you'll never really be able to mm -hmm. like, yeah. you know, enter that, you know, enter that club or that, identity. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, how do I say, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I don't know. So I think in that respect, you know, like North America and West, some Western countries, it's a little bit like more maybe easier to kind of be considered American um but mm. I don't know it is complicated any, anywhere yeah I think you've articulated I mean I'm sure I could have like used other like <laughs> academic terms for it but I think your example was better articulated than I was thinking before mm -hmm. um <laughs> why yeah <laughs> what so I guess like growing up I at least had like very few, but I had like a few relatable role models and we talked about how, um, I mean, ideally, you know, you mm -hmm. should have a ver diversity of relatable role models, you know, in terms of like your all of your identities and like your interests or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like for you, did you have a lot of like Asian, well, American slash Canadian role models growing up? Uh, yeah, and I think we did talk about this before, but like, I never really felt like I had any role models. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, uh, you know, like one of the first role models you have are like the Disney princesses, right? <laughs> and yeah. So originally I liked Belle because she had brown hair and I had brown hair. And then I liked Pocahontas <laughs> because yeah. she has dark hair and I have dark hair and she was like not white and I was not white. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, it's like neither of those are, you know, Asian, yeah. like, or Asian American. And I think like there has been, 
uh, better representation now of Asian people in media. But mm -hmm. I still feel like it doesn't really reflect my experience because now there's more of a focus on like um, Asian immigrants, which I mean, of course, those stories should be told. And I am glad that they're finally like having representation of that. Um, but a lot of the stories such as like, you know, Fresh Off the Boat or Crazy Rich Asians, like they aren't really things that I can fully relate to mm. because I've because I, I am half. So I feel like I have had that mixed experience. And I think another problem has been that there have been a lot of mixed actresses that end up either playing Asian roles or white roles and yeah. they don't really play mixed roles. And I think someone had said like, oh, like they have to stop giving Asian roles to mixed actresses and show like more of like a, you know, Asian like, and let like the Asian roles go to like, like fully Asian people, mm. uh, which so I think that there has been a, a time when like, well, I mean, I think that a lot of these mixed people, they end up playing like you know, Asian roles so that they don't really get to play out how it feels to be like a mixed Asian person, you know? So I don't know. It's just, I think it's because of that, like I didn't really have really any role models that I can think of that I really strongly connected with. Like after Pocahontas, I don't know if I had anyone. <laughs> like, and I just, just, there was no one that I really felt like I connected to very strongly, you know, and even now, it's like I can't really think of anybody that I would really say is like a really good like mixed Asian role model or anything. So I don't know. So I do wish that they had like more like stories about like how it feels to be half and how it feels to to kind of like navigate those two identities in the media. Yeah, I agree. I think for a long time, the narrative in Hollywood was like, we just don't have the people. Mm -hmm. We don't have enough resources, which is bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you only benefit by sharing more voices. So like, um, I guess like if you had the like, yeah, so growing up, if you had a relatable um, half Asian, half white role model, then you and countless other people would have benefited from that. And like, who knows? But mm -hmm. I mean, that's, and, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because now that we recognize that we can do something about it, which is great. But mm -hmm. it, I'm glad that narrative is getting criticized, but it just took such a long time to, to dispel it. And even now it's still like, mm -hmm. come on, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> such a long way to go with that. And I just, I know this is a bit hard to articulate, I think in particular, people have, at least in, in, in Hollywood, people have really downplayed the strength of Asian voices. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, half Asian voices, that, that's like a whole new topic on its own because that hasn't even been addressed yet. But mm -hmm. I don't know. And I think it's because, like, we're labeled as the, <laughs> like, model minority. And it's mm -hmm. so frustrating. Like, what do you think needs to change for all of this to um finally be like eliminated that's a, yeah, it's a loaded question very hard <laughs> well we have some yeah. things up our sleeve coming out which is cool yeah yeah I mean I do think that more voices need to be you know just 
you know, like let out into the world and spoken. And, and, you know, and that's part of the reason why I finally decided (laughs) to like, you know, participate with this and record something and everything because I've been so nervous about it for so long. It's like, oh, it's so awkward. I don't want to do it. <laughs> so, but then I, I did. I did start to think about it. And realize, like, well, I mean, you know, there were no real role models for me. You know, and I mean, I don't think that, like, oh yeah, I could, like, I'll definitely be the new role model for the, the Asian generation, <laughs> generation or something. You know, but you know, I think that slowly by, like giving people the confidence to speak out and to talk about that their experiences will hopefully you know lead to more people talking about how they feel and how it how it feels to be you know in their shoes and their own unique experiences and I think that there is like a it is very difficult to like I mean as you know as a woman, as a minority, as mixed, it sometimes it does feel kind of awkward to speak out because it feels like, I don't know, like because of our experiences, like we've been kind of taught not to say too much or, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, like when, I don't know, I get shy talking in class or, you know, stuff like that. Or when I was in engineering, it was very difficult <laughs> because, you know, I was in engineering for like one semester in university before I dropped it and switched to East Asian studies. But during that one semester, I found it a little bit difficult to talk to people because, you know, like I felt like they really saw me as a girl. So it was either like, oh, we don't want to listen to your opinions because, you know, you're a girl. And also I'm shy. So I was like, oh, I don't I don't even know if my opinions are good. I don't want to say it. And, or it would be like, oh, you're a girl. Let me help you out. And it was like, oh, no. <laughs> so so I think like from our like from our experiences and our accumulative experiences throughout our life of you know maybe not being listened to or being told that we should listen to other voices or other people you know we've it has become harder and harder to speak out and you know with Black Lives Matter too I mean of course like you know I'm really supportive of the movement I think that you know, it's very important for these issues to be addressed. And definitely, I think that, you know, the issues that Black people face are very different, a lot more yeah. violent and a lot more, um, uh, like, you know, oppressive and frightening compared to, like, um, problems that I might face as a mixed Asian American. But, you know, like, at the same time, like, I don't want to just silent, silence my own voice just because I'm uh, because I'm like worried of like taking away the spotlight from Black Lives Matter or something mm, you know yeah. I think that these are both independent issues which need to be addressed at the same time so not that we should take away any importance from Black Lives Matter but that we should not be afraid to talk about our own issues and our own experiences uh, just because there's also another very important issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, no one, um, no, let me do that again. There are endless benefits, like the more voices there are, because it mm-hmm. not only allows you to figure out like your own identity and struggles, mm-hmm. but um, it just broadens your perspective. So I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's great. And yeah, I mean, I like the caveat you've given. 
Um, I kind of used to think like, oh man, I I feel really awkward. Like I can't say anything, but mm-hmm. I now know that like we're unequivocally um, allies of the movement. That's what we're doing. This is we want to continue the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to be better allies, we need to a speak up, b make sure we're good in ourselves. Like we're straight with like, mm-hmm. I and we're like continuing reflecting on our own, and we're supporting the movement because within not just Asian communities, but like BIPOC communities, there's a lot of, but what about us? What about us? And it's like, Mm -hmm. no one is saying your voice is not important. Speak Mm -hmm. out. Of course, do that. We're just saying right now, the priority is the black experience, which like you said, like, I'm not, you know, I went for a run this morning. I wasn't like, oh no, am I going to get shot? It's like just Mm -hmm. terrible and awful. And I know we've had multiple discussions on, well, I say mm-hmm. multiple, but it was like a four-hour conversation. Because <laughs> um, you know, we don't talk. You know, we we live in different places. So anytime we chat, you know, it's like a long time, which is great. But I think we've been socially conditioned by um, those in power to just be the model minority, and not to say anything. Just mm-hmm. don't do anything. It's like, no, that's bullshit. We we should. Um, mm-hmm. We need to recognize we're important, but at the same time, the priority right now are Black voices, right? Which- yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, there is nobody really telling us, like, from Black Lives Matter movement or those movements telling us to be quiet. It's just, yeah. like, a self-policing type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. we ourselves have become afraid to speak out yeah. just because of, you know, our life experiences. And then we also have become more sensitive to these types of issues. So we end up policing ourselves and not, you know, saying things that maybe we should talk about, I think. So, yeah, no, you're so right. The self-policing you're, you're Mm -hmm. so, so right. And it's, it's scary because that that's how like systemic racism perpetuates. Like we're not directly being racist in that sense, but Mm -hmm. by not saying anything, you're like silently approving it, which is really Mm -hmm. scary. Um, I'm currently under a sleeping bag recording right now. It's like 87 degrees and it's so hot. Oh, the things we do for at home studio. Um, so I, I want to, I know we've kind of gone all over the place. We definitely need to do this again because like, um, I told you this before, but with you, there are multiple lanes I can go into um, mm-hmm. like with this type of interview I can ask you about all of your experiences and yeah like just to emphasize obviously like we both will continue like you and I and like the team we're going to continue to do everything in our lane to like continue the movement um, mm-hmm. because we're avid supporters but I wanted to just touch upon um, so you do you found like other activities um to like unwind and to like process all of your reflections and thoughts can you get more into that uh yeah so I do a lot of art which is how I'm kind of joining the team now is in an artistic capacity (laughs) so yeah I guess I don't know I, I guess like for my art like I mainly do like fan art and stuff so in that respect I guess sometimes I don't always process things entirely it's just like oh I see something pretty I want to draw it I drew it (laughs) (laughs) so I have been trying to think about more how I can kind of connect that with my feelings and my experiences and how I can use it to express myself because I don't really want my hobbies and the things that 
I love like art to be like uh, disconnected from how I feel and my own perspective and my own opinion. So I have been trying to think of more about like, how can I bridge that together? So there was this project that I was kind of playing with where I was making like little comics of myself as like a little bunny rabbit. Uh-huh. Uh, and like to try to address like how I feel about like issues such as like mental health and stuff. So um, because there are like times where uh, like, you know, I, I feel like it's hard to deal with things. I, you know, suffer some depression sometimes and, you know, things like that. So it's like trying to find a way to like express myself and then also connect with other people, see if they also have similar experiences, if they can relate to it. Like, Uh, I guess just like a sense like oh I'm not alone like there are other people that also feel like this so I also wanted to kind of bring that to my art as well so you know I'm not sure when this will air but for the Uh, month of July (laughs) I will be trying to create comics which are about heritage and so which will touch on some of the things that I talked about today about you know the difficulties of living uh between those two identities and how to connect with it and not having role models like stuff like that so yeah I'm really looking forward to it um do you have again like I know we went all over the place but is there anything you would like to add from anything we've talked about or just anything in general um no not really I think we we covered a lot (laughs) I feel like I already spoke too much. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, like I said, it's an experience, like talking to one of your best friends. and Because tra- at a certain point, I was like, all oh, right, we're having a conversation. Oh, wait, no, it's kind of like, an- <laughs> like get back into it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll have fun listening back to this and editing. Um, and so I know we've like hit upon how you use art to unwind, but I mm-hmm. asked well, we've asked like everyone this, like, how do you unwind? Like, are there any other activities that you do to relax? Uh, I guess so. I like I like going to cafes usually, but now in the COVID era, I can't really go to cafes. So that kind of sucks. Um, but like generally, I like going to cafes. I like traveling. Um, I like art. I also like watching series so like dramas and stuff like I was saying before I used to be really into manga and anime which don't watch as much anime now but it's not because I hate anime it's just I haven't been watching it recently um and I got really into Japanese dramas for a while and then Korean dramas um and then recently Chinese dramas so recently I'm watching (laughs) this Chinese drama called Guardian which it's technically for Chinese practice so it's very educational (laughs) Oh, well, no, not actually, (laughs) you know, like, um, but anyway, the, the drama is about like, there's like this alien race of people (laughs) coming from the underground and fantasy and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so yeah, I do watch a lot of TV shows. I think a lot of times I kind of try to justify it to myself of like, oh, I'm learning this language. So it's good that I'm watching this show. (laughs) But, you know, as you know, from learning, from watching Korean dramas, I didn't learn very useful vocabulary. Like, <laughs> Kajima, <laughs> Mr. So? 
okay. (laughs) Stuff is like not really that useful. (laughs) And like from watching Chinese dramas, like the main phrase that I learned is like shut up. And I'm like, well, that's very useful, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So but you know, it is a nice way to relax. And I do like watching a lot of Asian shows and it is just nice to oh like when I I think I mentioned this to you before, but when I watch American shows or Western shows, I it's hard for me to turn off the part of my brain that is like analyzing it and critiquing Mm -hmm. it and being like, Oh, you know, there is enough Asian representation here or, you know, like, Oh, I, I wish that there was more representation of this, or they should think about how they're portraying, you know, this ethnicity or this identity. Whereas when I watch Asian media, a lot of the times, because there isn't a lot of represent, I mean, it's only Asian representation and there's not really a very, diverse racial representation usually it's like just Chinese people just Korean people just Japanese people whatever so you know I it's a lot easier for me to turn off that part of my brain and just be like I'm just watching this particular show yeah absolutely you can just sort of like relax yeah American shows like I look at the show creators and like oh this is why the plot for people of color is shit um (laughs) Yeah. yeah, well, not not. Like, I think but... about issues too, like, oh, is this like fat phobia or is this like, you know, like, yeah. you know, those types of things too, which I, I think like that's very prevalent in Western media. But it's like right. easier to turn off my brain when it comes to Asian media. I'm not sure if it's because it's a different culture or if it's in a different language or, you know, like re- representation of different Asian, well, not Asian, but like different ethnicities is like not as diverse. I'm not sure why, but for some reason, it's just easier for me to just be like, okay, just go watch the show. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it really, like, hit me what you said, because that's when I kind of started watching K-dramas more, like, Mm -hmm. more, like, Asian stuff. And it's it's just, like, the thing with subtitles, like, who cares? Like, like, it's really not that much work, because I know sometimes you'll be like, oh, I can't read this. Like, just, just get over it. Like, it's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. Wait, I didn't and notice- for a lot of oh, these sorry, shows, yeah. like the plot is like not so complicated that you yeah. can't just miss a few subtitles. Like, yeah, it's you know, fine. I usually watch the show while I'm like drawing or something, and like I'll like miss something, we'll look back up and be like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. I can kind of figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah, like watch body language. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's gone to the point where I like see shows and they'll be like, okay, so. <laughs> Oh, it's kind of embarrassing, but well, I'm just going to go there. Um, So it's gotten to a point where, like, I'll notice a show getting featured on one of the accounts I follow on Instagram. They'll be like, da-da-da, the first Asian actor, the first Latinx actor. And I'll be like, oh, let me watch that show because of that one actor, that to- this tokenistic-ass feature mm-hmm. is drawing me towards the show. And But I want to show my support on Netflix mm-hmm. by watching that entire episode because um, analytics is very uh, strong on Netflix and that kind of determines mm-hmm. like that actor's production. So recently, um, no shade to the show. I personally don't don't love it, Insatiable. Mm-hmm. That's the show. And oh. they, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if you've, you've seen it, but there is a like a- I think I've heard half, of it. You, you might have, or I might have even like sent you this, but there's like a half Korean, half Italian guy who's featured as like, this is so ridiculous. He's like pre-med, pre-law stripper. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But you know, he's a very attractive guy and he's, it's like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it's very cool that he's featured in like a different medium because usually the stereotype is, oh, Asian men aren't hot, which is like very mm-hmm. stupid. 
So yeah, mm-hmm. like watch this year. I supported that episode because I want to see like more diversity. I don't. I'm sorry. I just mm-hmm. don't want to see like white people everywhere. Like there's always room for like different types of talent, or mm-hmm. even like you know like LGBT love and all of that. Um, but mm-hmm. I just felt silly. Like wow, it's really gotten that gotten to this point. Like I can't just watch a show and just be like, this show is great. It's all there's always a problem. But yeah, like with K dramas, seed is it called C dramas? I don't think I've ever heard it called. Yeah, I don't know. I I call it C dramas, but all right, well, <laughs> C dramas. I'm not sure what the actual term is. Well, we'll just make it a thing like C dramas. Okay, you, know, you it's watch a thing now. like yeah, J, uh, CJK drama, CJKT dramas. You just watch that. <laughs> like oh, everyone's Asian on here. There, there's like the intelligent person, the not so funny person, the funny. You know, like you don't mm-hmm. like not just reduced down to ethnicity and gender which is like mm-hmm. a your break and i never thought i'd get to that point but you know it's exhausting yeah 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 oh god glad you you told me that um we'll i we'll have to do this again for sure um in like a different um probably a different theme but yeah anything do you want to inspire us with to end this episode inspired <laughs> um, <laughs> well I don't know I guess just you know I hope that everyone can find ways to speak up about what they think is important to them and not just you know be quiet just because you're scared to talk about what is important to you and you know because I like I was saying before I think that there are many of us that just kind of end up self policing our own voice because we're afraid to talk about things or we think that you know oh it's not important we're not important why would anybody care about what I think or what I have to say but I think that you know we should just try to speak up regardless even if we think that our voice is not worth listening to we should try to to say something yeah that was very inspiring (laughs) I'm glad um (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this with me. It was just a conversation with, it's always nice to have a conversation with one of my best friends. Yeah. Thank you. So much fun.